Hello, Madison, and welcome to You Seem Exceptional, an interview show that you are currently listening to on WSUM 91.7 FM Madison. Each week on this show, we will have a guest on to get to know them and their story. I'm your host, Oliver Gearhars. This is my co-host, Jeb Blossom. And today, our guest is Alice Poser. All right. Uh, so just before we get started, uh, I just want to give everyone a reminder that the ex- opinions expressed on this show do not reflect the views of WSUM, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, or its Board of Regents. All right. So, Alice, uh, let's get started with wh- where are you from? <laughs> I was born and raised in Park Falls, Wisconsin, which is a very small town about 300 miles north of here. And um, it's in the Shekwamigan National Forest area. And it was a uh, small paper mill town. So you talk a lot about, you know, when, you, when you're mentioning your upbringing, I do notice that you tend to bring up that you went to Catholic school. Yes. <laughs> I understand this was a, this, this, it just seems like this was a big part of things. <laughs> it, it definitely was. Um, I think because it was such a small town and, of course, everybody knew everybody. Oh, yeah. And um, there was, a, you know, a public school system and the parochial school system. So even in a town uh, with, of less than 2,000 people, we still had those two separate school dynamics going on. Really? So uh, when you talk about Catholic school, I, you were a little bit of a deviant, would you say? <laughs> yeah, that's about right. <laughs> um, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I was, um, let's see, uh, let me think of some of the words the nuns used. Incorrigible and instigator, out of control, and never well behaved. So I guess <laughs> that pretty much explains my student existence. Wow. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> So you've told me uh, that you were there for seven years? Seven years, yes. Um, It's interesting because we all went to kindergarten in the public school and then went our separate ways afterwards. So I started first grade at St. Anthony de Padua, yes. (laughs) And then all the way up until high school you were in Catholic school? No, thank God I got expelled in seventh grade. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I, I don't know if it was expelled, but my parents were asked to... Take me, yes, not have me return for the eighth grade year. Yes, there's something about uh, you know, the 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 request to not return. That is, I I think that's funny when organizations do that instead of kicking someone out. Oh, I know (laughs) it was much easier on my parents. Although, (laughs) the look on my dad's face as we were getting in the car, I think he was. I don't know if he was more angry or devastated, but he definitely Mm. was not happy. I mean, how much did, like, family expectations play into that Catholic school experience, would you say? Oh, my God, so much. I mean, it was a very uh, regimented, uh, oppressive atmosphere. You had to follow the rules all the time. And if your parents were Catholic school educated, you were expected to do that same thing in that same manner. So God pity you if you had Catholic school educated parents that were just you know, insistent on your going into the system. Just couldn't escape it. Could not (laughs) escape it. So after your expulsion, uh, where'd you go? To Lincoln High School, which was the... Some what of the best days eighth, of my life. You said life. you're expired in. Oh, eighth grade. I went to middle school. Oh, just the, yep, to middle school and then to Lincoln was High. Was that like school. the public school? Yes. Yeah. All right. So I ran into it. They accepted me with open arms <laughs> and I was so thrilled. I couldn't wait to get there. 
So um, you've told me, at least, that you went to uh, Madison for college after Yes, that? I um, went to California State University at Fullerton oh. and then came here. So, so you went all the way back and then yep. back? Yep. It went, went there and then came back. Was so. that a transfer school situation? Um, it was. Uh, and back in the day, it was a lot easier for transferring mm. than it is now. It's, it's a more complicated process. But thank God, everything, all of my credits transferred. So that was, <laughs> that was a good day. How yeah. many years did you spend in California? Um, a total of six. Oh, I wow, liked wow. it. Um, I didn't go there willingly. But... <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Most people don't say that about California. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was, I was sent there. Uh, well, actually, it was, it was. I don't want to say sent, but I was encouraged and put on a plane um, <laughs> to go live with my grandparents. Uh, so yeah, yeah. And then what brought you back to Wisconsin? Um, I just decided that um, when I came, I came home for a visit, and um, I just realized how much I missed it. I really, California was great. It was the mid to late 70s. Ooh. I don't know how I made it out alive. <laughs> Partying back then was lethal. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good way to put it. I, feels the right level of conciseness to it. Yeah, I uh, think so. So what were you going to college for? Journalism. Journalism. Yep, oh. yep. Journalism oh. and um, business <laughs> communication. I, I look at that building and I think I, the number of hours that I spent at Phyllis were astounding. But I had some amazing professors. I, I told you a couple of them weren't so amazing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was good. It was good. We had a lot of, um, a lot of things going on with, um, with the student newspaper. And, yeah, it was, a good, it was a good environment. Were you a part of the paper? I was for a while. Which one? Um, Oh my God! I'm trying to think. It's not the Daily Cardinal. Badger Herald. Badger Herald. Yes, <laughs> thank you. Wow. It's that short-term memory that's starting to go. <laughs> 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 yeah, it was good, and um, I still maintain friendships that I had from school. So that's the best part. Yeah. Wow. How long were you in Madison for as a as a college student? Oh, my God. I've been in Madison since 1979. So basically, wow. I'm a native. I mean, what is that, 40 years? <laughs> yeah, I definitely yeah. qualify. <laughs> yeah, that definitely qualifies. So um, I I think Madison's wonderful. I, I love it here. I always have. Um, I spent some time working on a project in Silver City, New Mexico. And so that's my second favorite place. I think about it's a beautiful spot, too. So what were you up to in New Mexico? Uh, I was working on a project with the New Mexico Economic Development Corporation. Oh, uh-huh. And um, I went down. Uh, the Santa Clara mines had closed, and it put 2,000 people out of work in a county of only 35,000 people. Oh, well, that's a lot of unemployment. Yeah, it was <laughs> bad. So um, I had done some work here in economic development and just went down for a couple of years and it was a really good experience and it's the Silver City area's southwest corner um, right at the base of the Black Range Mountains it's very beautiful very beautiful they've got an excellent college out there Western New Mexico University yeah it's good Mm -hmm. all right so 
another question that I've been thinking about is you've described yourself in, you know, but thinking, how would you describe yourself first and foremost? Journalist, writer, uh, stand-up comedian? <laughs> I think writer, probably. Um, a friend of mine that uh, I met many, many years ago that's still a writer, does a lot of work with the progressive, has often said to me, you know, you strayed from the fold, and I didn't go into investigative <laughs> journalism. I took the detour right into humor and comedy writing, so that was the that was the path for me, and I would have to say humor writing um, is my favorite. That's my favorite thing to do. So... I mean, in terms of humor writing, we've got your book here, uh, but have you done anything else before, um, we, before I did, we start on that? I, yeah, I did a lot of um, writing for newspapers and publications, mm. columns, humor columns, and that was a lot of fun. I did <laughs> one for the Capital Times here um, in the 80s, and mm. it was called Al's Place. <laughs> and back in those days, a newsroom was a little different than it is right now, and I had a guy who was really mad at me and wrote this scathing <laughs> letter. Letter about, to the editor. Letter to the editor <laughs> and to me personally. And signs it anonymous, but it was on his business letterhead. Oh, <laughs> and so what did my editor do? He pins it up on the bulletin board and lets everybody vote yay or nay on it. So, yeah, it was it was good. I the Cap Times is still a great great publication. Did they end up publishing the letter? Or they did not. I didn't. <laughs> it I, feels I, it felt the way you described it, it seems like it might have been a little bit harsh for I a letter think, to the editor. I think <laughs> there's obscenity rules that wow. might have been in. Yeah. Oh, it that's was. A, that's a scathing letter. It was a <laughs> scathing letter, and and the and I I still to this day wish I would have kept it. I wish I would have kept it. Because the guy's probably now in politics somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's got his own letter. He's got his own yeah. letterhead now. All right. So back to what I what I brought up a couple minutes ago. Your book, uh, Nunderwear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot yeah. of reflection on being in Catholic school. What inspired you to write to compile it in book form? I have always been an obsessive note taker and person that journals. I love journaling. So I had all of these piles and piles of things. And I thought, just for the fun of it, I'm going to put it together in a manuscript, talk to some friends about it, um, see if some people want to do some illustrations for me. And so I just did it. And I did it as a personal project, and it was a lot of fun. And uh, I did have a woman private message me on Facebook. <laughs> saying that she found my book borderline blasphemous. <laughs> and <laughs> you should put that in the review section. Yeah. Well, the, the, the um, business that does my website wants to put that up on the, the front page, the home page of the website. Readers are saying. Saying, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, people are entitled to their opinion always. Uh, but I... I very diplomatically messaged her back and said, thank you so much for contacting me. Apparently, my marketing is working. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, not everyone is going to like the book. And I have people told me they found it a little offensive. And then other people say, 
I laughed so hard, so I guess it's going to go either way. Don't have a middle ground. Hmm. So um, in terms of this, uh, you said you'd been a, you were, and did, did you say you had multiple columns throughout the years or just that I one? I did, um, did for it? different publications. Really? So, so those, those all been throughout Madison? Uh, uh, some have been national for national yeah. publications. Oh. Um, my favorite one, though, um, was the one I did for the Cap Times here. It was it was just a lot of fun. I had great editors, and uh, it was good. It was called Al's Place. <laughs> <laughs> How long did that run for? Four years, I wow, think. Wow. Four years. Yeah. yeah, it was good. And it was such a great group of people that were working at the paper at that time, and a uh, lot of energy in the newsroom, and... Um, it was also a lot of work because we don't have the we didn't have the digital process that we do nowadays. So when people said it's going to press, there were no way to make changes anymore. Yeah. So journalism from that era just kind of fascinates me. I mean, one of my favorite authors is Hunter S. Thompson. Oh my God, so, the best! Yeah, just hearing some of his stories about writing back in the day. Oh yeah, the man was—he was a genius and out of control, which made it even better. Um, some, of the, uh, some of the things, some of the um, quotes that he said are in memes now. Yeah. <laughs> They're great. We're going to talk a little bit about her recent podcast, uh, Feral Little Women, you said? The podcast is called Feral Little Woman, <laughs> and um, I earned that title. <laughs> Well, a friend of mine said, for a small person, you're incredibly dangerous. <laughs> so we always had a laugh about that one. And uh, the podcast is definitely for grown-ups. I'd, having listened to it, I can definitely say that, yeah, it's a little bit, it's mature. <laughs> yeah, it's it's rough. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I take on unusual topics. Um one of them was the history of feminine hygiene products. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Which, but anyway, yep. um, how did you come? How did you come into the position of creating that? A couple of years ago, a friend of mine said, "With all of your material, you should put together a podcast." And so I thought, "Why not? I can take existing material. I can take my bizarre." you know, take on things and do that. And um, one of the podcasts is about the myth of aging gracefully. So, <laughs> you know, there's there's all kinds of topics that you can take and and work on. And since I have such a, and a, you know, a different sense of humor, I thought, yeah, we could do this. And um, Artemis Bow Productions was very helpful um, in me getting this put together, and I'm really grateful for that. Uh, podcasts are not as easy as everybody thinks. I thought I could just get up there and say, no, there's an actual formula to making them decent. So, yeah, so it's good. But I'm, I'm grateful we're doing it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're three episodes in, so mm. we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'll have to give it a listen. I mean, podcasts have really just, like, revolutionized media oh. in a way that yes. I haven't seen in my time because I'm only yeah. 18 but I mean anyone can have one and there's one for every single different topic you can oh think my of. god there's millions of them <laughs> if, if you've got an interest there's a podcast oh, yeah. for you I saw this thing that was um 
what is it like uh like it's like treating the amount of podcast as a like a male loneliness epidemic statistic (laughs) (laughs) like it's like here's the number of men who report that they're single and here's the number of men who report that they have a podcast (laughs) (laughs) it was like it wasn't saying that it wasn't like trying to imply it was just implying a direct correlation just between the podcast (laughs) (laughs) that's great i love it oh gosh so um i learned about your podcast your book through your website uh and i also learned that you've done some workshops yes um i do workshops uh they're called um life is better when you laugh (laughs) And um, it's actually working off the premise of the uh, mental and physical health benefits of of laughter and humor. And uh, I worked for a long time in the mental health field, and this is a proven thing, that laughter actually affects people physically and brain activity, pain relief, all these different kinds of things. And... um, so, yeah, it's a lot of fun, and I really enjoy doing them, and I've done them for uh, recovery organizations um, at, the, at the community center, at the Goodman Community Center, open to the public. So it, I think it's a lot of fun, and uh, it's especially fun when I do like the slip thing at the <laughs> moth, and people can anonymous, anonymously write things down and then we trade each other and read each other's <laughs> stuff. Oh, I have to say that that and when the pandemic was on and there were so many ungodly Zoom meetings, <laughs> people that did not mute their mics have given me more material <laughs> than anything <laughs> I can ever hope to have. I, as we all heard things and then people realize, oh, my mic wasn't muted. Well, thanks for the material. (laughs) (laughs) uh, What is it? I feel like you didn't really have as much Zoom school experiences. No, but I I had a little. You had a little bit. I I remember there were, there's, it is, I couldn't imagine being a teacher then. Oh no. Just having to get everyone to turn. Can you, can you please turn your cameras on, please? Yeah. And turn (laughs) your mics off. (laughs) What was that? What was crazy is gym class was just that was made up for like a year. <laughs> it wasn't. No one was real. doing jumping jacks. Yeah. No. I was going having breakfast. Yeah. Back onto the laughter though. I mean, in my high school, they had us do like laughter yoga every now and then at assemblies, where they basically just force us to laugh. Um, and I thought there wasn't anything to it, but how did they make maybe, you? Oh, it, it was very forced. You? It was no. They <laughs> were like, you should laugh right now. Yeah. And then uh, trying to get that, it can either be the start of a real laugh or just painful (laughs) there's no middle ground with that no middle ground at all yeah so you spent you said you spent time in like mental health wellness as like a field yes um in 2009 i i worked with uh the department of health services Hmm. on developing um, a certified mental health peer specialist program, which was for individuals who had the lived e- experience of uh, mental health challenges to be state trained and certified to work with peers, with other individuals on their recovery. It's a very successful program. Um, we started out with zero people certified, and now there's, I believe, there's almost 2,000. Wow, that's awesome. And working in emergency rooms, um, private organizations, everything. And 
I can say from personal experience and working with that, that laughter is a huge component in the healing process. And getting people to journal and then read their funny stuff is, <laughs> is a great thing. Yep, it's good. Yeah, so um, in terms of, I'm thinking back to when you said you were a student journalist, right? Yep. Uh, are there any stories that you worked on that really stood out to you back then? Um, yes. I remember one story that was about accessibility for people who were disabled. And the fact that back in the, the 70s, not all sidewalks had cutaways. Uh-huh. And What's things a cutaway? on a cutaway is where um, it's like a ramp that yeah. goes down oh, wow. and it's got the bumps on it. So just people. All curb. Yep. That's wow. just, yep. just and, a fact of life. <laughs> yeah. And. Um, a lot of campus um, that I recall back then, uh, there were obstacles for people uh, for mobility to get around really well. So that was something that the city um, started working on and, and made made several changes. But the campus wasn't always as accessible as it is now. And back in the 70s, there were uh, late 70s, early 80s, there were still things that needed to be worked on. And the paper, the student newspaper, did a lot of research about that, wow. um, getting to have opinions for the city planning committee. Yeah, that's, I never knew that cutaways were sort of an, uh, or, yeah, cutaways were an, ac- an accessibility feature of a sidewalk. I always just thought of them as, oh, that's how it looks before the road starts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and the, um, the, the terracing on them, the, the um, bumpy is so that the, the wheelchair or accessibility feature won't just slide into the, the mm. street so it grips the wheels on the so what uh, I'm realizing that I thought that was I thought that was like for uh, for blind people to know when they were stepping uh, on something yeah, different that's also what I thought that's, it, thought, it yeah, does that too really? yep. there's so many there's so many features yeah. to this simple object yeah exactly <laughs> yep yep so there were um, there were good features uh, still are I mean it's the student publications are amazing were you primarily like a news typewriter or a feature typewriter? Or feature. Features. Yep. Yeah. Doing feature writing. So, yeah. Did you write about uh, any, did you write about anyone in the community, I guess? Um, I wrote about the one professor that I was talking to you about that <laughs> said willy-nilly all the time. <laughs> God, so you, and smoked in the class. Him. Yeah, really? I did. Yes. And I wrote about him. Not about his smoking in the classroom and willy-nilly comments, but um, the fact that he was one of the first people in the Associated Press to actually be doing significant work in Russia. It's just amazing. The guy was a genius. Weird, but a genius. (laughs) And maybe the two go hand in hand, but I learned more from him about... um, writing a good solid piece than I, than I did from from anyone else as a student. He was really good. Wow. Do you remember the class he was teaching? Um I don't. I can eh. still see him in his trench coat <laughs> going down the hall with the cigarette. Picture <laughs> still picture him. And uh, yeah. He was uh, and he always had time for a student too, which oh, was really yeah. nice. You could say stop by his office and say, I'm working on something. Do you have a couple minutes? Yeah. He was always accessible as a professor. That's That's important. 
great thing to have. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It's really important. So uh, more recently, uh, how long have you been working with the Moth? The oh, gosh. Moth being a uh, storytelling organization. I think that's a good way to put it, right? Yeah. A um, couple of years. Not long. Not long, really. Not long. No. I, I just got decided to go in and try it. I had been working on some um, humor material and then working on some stand-up material. And I saw the topic, and I thought, I'm just going to go there and get on stage. I was terrified. <laughs> I was actually shaking when I got up there. And the worst part of it was I was the last person Oh, called up that evening. Oh. It was, I, yes. First time it, I did, I got to oh, be number two. Thank God my friend Jerry was with me because as we were getting closer to the end, when um, Kevin was drawing slips, people's names, I thought, I'm never going to get up. I, you know, there were like 20 people in the bag. Um, they only draw 10 names. And he pulls the slip and he goes, Alice Pauser and I froze. <laughs> I literally froze. <laughs> but once I got up there and started talking, I was okay. Were you drawn in by like that month's theme? That one that month's theme. What was it? Um gosh, can I remember what it was? <laughs> um it was something about school and I got up and talked about Catholic school. <laughs> I gave yeah. a story about Catholic <laughs> school. So, yeah, yeah. Something about learning something, yeah. <sighs> I feel like the word learning will pretty typically do it. To explain the moth uh, orga- organization to our uh, to the viewers at home. And to me. And to and you. To you. <laughs> yes. And to you, Jeff. Um, All right. The moth is an international organi- organization that's dedicated to the art and craft of storytelling. And they are based in New York. And there are affiliates all across the world now that provide storytelling venues. And here in Wisconsin, we have Milwaukee and Madison. And um, story story times are once a month. Uh, there's a topic. Uh, and they, the topic goes out a few weeks in advance, so you can start planning. And then if you're interested in telling a story, you can come in, sign up on the form. The, um, they get folded and put into a bag. There's rules, as there sh- as there should be. Five minutes, true and on topic. And also, um, it, like Kevin Wilmot always says, if you think you shouldn't say it, you probably shouldn't say it. <laughs> Definitely. And yes, and um, there, it's a very important venue to share stories. It's such a community event, such an yeah. important community event, and. Um, Every person that gets up there, it's just captivating. And it can be funny or sad. Or In one evening, you can go from laughing so hard you can't hardly breathe to crying just by wow. listening to five-minute stories from people's lives. It's an amazing thing. I can't recommend it highly enough. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to check this out. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just love how people are able to get such vastly different things from the same, like, one or two words, <laughs> like prompt. Yeah, it it's amazing. And um, we were talking about slips earlier. And when you come into the moth, there's a narrow slip of paper on everyone's chair. And it will say, tell us about a time and then something about the topic of the evening. 
I, Oliver, you've heard some some of those slips. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are. People feel a little more liberated to say whatever they want because it's, I, I mean, there's Kevin's mouth is the one doing the talk. I know <laughs> he's so great, but um, the slips and he reads slips between each person getting up to tell a story. Oh, okay. So the person will finish their story, the judges will start working on their scores, and Kevin will read a couple, or Danielle, whoever's hosting, will uh, read a couple of slips, and you just never know what, and um, there's been a couple of times where he's looked at it and gone, nope, can't read it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I do... There's something great about the slips in Contra Story because they're not the same, but they're just tied in enough to the concept. Yes. What was it? Last yeah. month was first impressions. Yeah. And, you know, that's your thing. And then it's the slips like in the spirit of first impressions, right about some a time something was not as it seemed. Yeah. And then the, out of that came the, the woman who thought her boyfriend was working 80 hours a week. <laughs> Oh, yeah. he had a wife and kids. Yes, <laughs> that was oh, that was the twist. It was. That was the twist. <laughs> oh man, Jeez. yeah, it's um, Jeb. I think you'd really like it. It's just it's such a good experience, and um, I think that the crowds that we or the audience that we have there every time is wonderful. Yeah, I have heard that the crowd changed up after COVID. Were you there before COVID? Uh no. Really? Oh. Really? Because you talked about it getting like twenty people in that first time you went, and I've. I heard that since COVID, the, the, there just haven't been as many people there willing to t- willing to talk. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you meant 20 people attending the whole thing. I thought you meant in the audience. 20 people in the oh, audience. Oh, there were like 20 people in the audience that night? Um, that you s- no. Um, hmm. it's, <laughs> uh, yes, what you said is true. Um, after COVID, there was some you know effort to try and get more people to sign up because you're right. There were evenings when there weren't 10 people that signed up to tell a story post-COVID. So I'm glad it's back to full swing. And you started before or after? I started after You started after. All right. So you sort of, I mean, it must be nice watching it build up like that. Oh, my gosh. Um, And it's really wonderful to see how many new storytellers there are now. So many new people. And that's the goal as many new people as possible to tell their stories. Yeah, it's definitely a, sort of an older crowd, but I see younger and I see more young people there. Oh, yes, think? and um, it's just uh, a couple of months ago, uh, a storyteller's 17-year-old daughter got up to tell a story. <laughs> oh, that's great, like and, right after he went? Or? Yeah, wow. it was wonderful. It was just wonderful. So. And those are the things that that you want to see. It, it well, it keeps the it keeps the uh, storytelling invigorating, and uh, yeah. But the, it's been so great to see how many new storytellers there've been in the last several months. The Moth, which is a local storytelling organization, well, also a, a national storytelling organization. Right, right, and um, there's also the one in Milwaukee. That's usually at the Anodyne uh, Coffee Roasters uh, downtown. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, they always have a full house um, audience. I've been there a couple of times, and it's really a dynamic storytelling venue, too. So that pulls from, uh, you know, there's an event in Milwaukee pulling from Madison. How big of a range does that pull from? Or also, how far have you traveled to go to another moth show? It, it pulls from... Um, a really 
wide um, range. There are people from the Chicago area that come to tell stories at the Moth in Madison and in Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one time when I was at the Moth in Milwaukee that there was someone that had driven down from Wausau, Wisconsin. And that's that's a long drive. (laughs) So the draw is 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 a wide range for people to come tell stories. And December 15th, uh, we had the Grand Slam in Milwaukee at Turner Hall, which is um, the 10 of us that had won um, the individual story slams uh, were there on December 15th. And I, I didn't know how large Turner Hall was, and that holds a few hundred people. And I, w- I was kind of overwhelmed. <laughs> But it was a great evening, and the story that took home first place was one of the best stories I ever heard. It was a woman talking about her time being employed by the U.S. Postal System. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That was five minutes of sheer terror (laughs) and funny to boot. It was just the greatest. I do love how concise a lot of the stories can tend to be. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that that limit sort of, I mean, have you ever heard the phrase limitations breed creativity? Oh, ab- yes. <laughs> I mean, Moth is a, I think it's a great example of that. Especially that, that little bit of time crunch can really make you get to your point a lot faster. It, it can. Yep. You have to have a beginning, a middle, and an end in five minutes. Oh, yeah. That's got to be an arc. <laughs> yeah. I know that uh, sometimes when we are, when we're on the Moth Club here at, on the station, our the radio station here has a, actually has a moth club that meets every week. Uh, what we'll listen to a story that'll go way over five minutes because it'll be special rules for wherever <laughs> they've been. And we always, you know, we'll we'll be like, oh wow, that one seems really neat, but we've only got ten minutes left in club. Yeah. Hopefully, it's the length that they're all supposed. To, oh wow, that's what's going to be <laughs> half an hour. <laughs> yeah, it's always it's. I think it's called flexibility. It <laughs> always happens. It always happens. Oh gosh. Yeah, we've got such a um, a wonderful uh, storytelling community here. Um, Mad City Story Slam, which is the first Friday of every month at Mother Fool's Coffee House, is great. And now there's an, um, a storytelling once a month at the Herbiary on uh, Winnebago. And it is... Um, to provide a safe uh, storytelling space for the LGBTQ community. Oh. And um, it is going to be fabulous. And they're going to be on the front page of my performance art newsletter in February. Oh, so. wow. That'll be nice. So the sort of the local storytelling community in Madison, even you know beyond just the moth, is getting bigger and bigger. Yes, right? and well attended, really well attended. Yeah. Very dynamic storytelling and very dynamic comedy scene here in Madison. Yeah, so uh, how long have those, um, you said those newer, those, I'm sorry, those two were newer. <laughs> how long have those been going on? Um, Herbiary's just starting. Oh, uh, just like just Yep, started. this is just like maybe the second or third time they've done it. And then um, it's been a few years for um, Mad City Story Slam. And Mother Fool's Coffee House, if you haven't been there, is great. It's a great little venue. And... Um, Mad City Story Slam is not judged like the moth is. Yeah, I imagine that, you know, even because uh, at, at the moth, each story is given a s- score from 1 to 10, and I imagine that in a different environment, 
not everyone needs not everyone wants to know where they're at from one to ten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. And um, yeah, so I I highly recommend um, getting on Facebook and looking up uh, storytelling or story slam. Um, Wisconsin or Madison, and you'd be surprised at, at the different things that come up. So, yeah, I mean, it's nice um, to be. It's nice to be sort of like a part of a community like that. It is. It is. It's very good. Is there anything else you've been up to beyond uh, sort of as a any other communities you'd say you're a part of here? Um, the the comedy community. I'm I'm definitely liking that. Uh, it's uh, it's so different from storytelling. Hmm. It's so different um, because, and language-wise, <laughs> it's oh, so yeah. different. <laughs> I mean, when you're doing stand-up, pretty much anything goes. And unlike when you're doing a story, and you know, you should be a, a little more mindful. And, <laughs> although you know, it, it when you're telling a story, if you're using expletives, that's part of the story. Then that's part of the story. Yeah. But um, it it's a lot different than stand-up comedy yeah and I, th- I think that that reminds me is that when you're less when you're at the moth I think that being funny is definitely a part of things oh absolutely and some of the stories um especially when people get in predicaments like if if they're if they're in a town that they don't know where they're going and they get <laughs> in cabs and wind up in completely different cities or you know that kind of story is always so great yeah it's good yeah I mean I think any stories definitely a lot more compelling when you've got a funny person behind the mic yeah it's good it's really good and um there's so many open mics here in madison too so for people that are interested in trying out their material um i i recommend getting on facebook to the madison area comedy network Mm. because that's that facebook page is very comprehensive about what's going on in madison for stand-up yeah. yeah, it's good. To, it's good to see a sort of a. Uh, it's, ni- it's nice when there's an online aspect to the community where you can just there pull it is. up and see what's and look at the schedule. Yeah, you know? and <laughs> see what the scheduling is going like. And there's certain mics that are set each mm-hmm. month, so you can pretty much get you know a calendar view of of what's going on with them too. And then there are pop up open mics, but there's there's not too many of those. So how did you get started with um, with actually going up on stage for comedy? On a on a bet. On a bet. That's, that's, that's <laughs> it was money, <laughs> <laughs> and I took some classes um, uh, from Lady Laughs Comedy that helped. I thought, how am I going to get what I write into something I can put on stage? And um, I, I'm so glad I took the classes because that was gave me the confidence that I needed to start pulling material together in a performance style rather than a print style. So that was very helpful. And um, and I first got up on to do comedy last year. So last really? April was my, my first gig. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun. And so that actually, that actually came after the storytelling, right? Is that, yes. That's the timeline? Came, yep. <laughs> it came after the storytelling. And um, there's there's a lot of good comedy venues here. And one thing that I am so appreciative for and that I know other onstage people are, there's pretty much a no heckling <laughs> agreement 
And if you're going to comedy on state, their screen says no heckling, and the host will tell you, if you heckle, you're out. And I think that's fair, especially if you're a new person. You know, that, that heckling can get brutal. But oh, yeah. I found here in Madison that that's not the case, that the, that the comedy community is very supportive of each other. Hmm. All right. So in sort of your history of, uh, I guess you've, you've talked about being into comedy for so such a very long time. I mean, beyond the start of you being a st- on stage or on stage a storyteller or being a columnist, uh, do you really remember a time when you felt like that you realized that comedy was going to be a big part of your life? Yes. Um, I was at a gathering of longtime friends. And one of them said to me, you're always doing all of this writing. And when we're together, you're always telling us these stories. Why don't you actually do that? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, you know, I, I, I probably should do that. And then I got to thinking, um, there's not a lot of money to be made in storytelling and stand-up unless you're doing stand-up on a national level. (laughs) And uh, I always, I was just laughing to myself about two weeks ago when I started college and my dad knew that I wanted to major in journalism and minor in um, business communications. And I thought, I'd like to work for a nonprofit. And he said, I just want you to know that you're going to die poor. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So that's kind of the way I feel about storytelling and comedy. I do it because I love it, not because it's really bringing in a lot of income, unless I write another book that gets to be a bestseller. But it's the joy of it, and I think that's why people do it. They just love to be able to share and hearing people laugh is a great thing. Oh, yeah, 100%. Oh, my God. It's just so wonderful because, you know, that they're feeling good and, yeah, yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah, so um, I'm just thinking I, – <laughs> I, I keep thinking back to um, – you being in Catholic school, because it's just sitting here. Uh, by that, by that I mean I've got a we've got a copy of her book on the desk. Um, are there any are there any particular stories that you think could be shared that, that I could actually share? Is, I mean, is the, is the titular underwear story a good? Oh, let me think about one that I could actually share. Um, yeah, I I when I think about um, just. Being a new student in in Catholic school, uh, just that anxiety, and you've got to wear these horrible little itchy wool <laughs> uniforms and all of that awful stuff, and they march in there, and then the nuns always look like professional linebackers coming down the <laughs> hall. They were just always so big coming down the hall. But... Um, I, I distinctly remember getting in trouble uh, in fifth grade um, because we were supposed to um, be taking care of cleaning the classroom. And 
of course, what fifth grader is paying attention to anything? So um, we decided to glue the chalkboard erasers <laughs> to the tray. <laughs> and we, we watched one nun pull it and pull it, and she yanked it so hard that her headpiece slipped back. <laughs> and then we thought, my God, they do have hair because we never saw hair. A, a nun's hair before. <laughs> but yeah, that that's one thing that that's, sticks out in my mind is just that particular episode of gluing erasers to the chalkboard tray. That that was good. Wow, I would have never even thought of that. I mean, oh, it was it was idea. genius. <laughs> and the my fellow student Bill that helped me do it, um he turned out to be a teacher, not in Catholic <laughs> school, but wow. <laughs> at a class reunion many years ago, I said to him, wow, you're still teaching? He goes, I don't know what happened. He said, I was just, I thought it would be a good way to make up for all of the horrible things that happened to me. <laughs> and I said, yes, it's a good way. Yes. <laughs> you think they're gluing his erasers down now? I'm sorry, what? You think, you, do you think they're gluing his erasers down now? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I was thinking about that the other day. He's he was for many years a middle school biology teacher. <laughs> mm. So God only knows what happened in that classroom. <laughs> oh, the frogs. The frogs. <laughs> Did you ever get caught? Or I mean, I know that you that there was a point where you got caught, but yes, were there lesser getting caught? Yes, moments? there there were times um, that I got caught. <laughs> yeah, and. Um, uh, I, my dad, God bless his soul, um, he would get so frustrated that one time we were in the car and he said to me, why is it they don't even suspect anyone else anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I painted the wow. baby Jesus's toenails and fingernails in a manger scene one time. <laughs> what color? Red. My Ooh, mother's Avon <laughs> Hollyberry Red. Painted them. <laughs> Yep, and I got caught for that, and that was not pleasant. So, wow, what was the what was the policy on snitches? <laughs> oh, well, the girl that snitched on us, she was ostracized. She never went to another pajama party for the rest of the year. That was it. <laughs> she was done. Oh man, to be uninvited from the sleepover. Uninvited. I, yeah. Hey, that's and, what happened. You know, th those were like mini ragers back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> so. Poor parents, I swear. <sighs> I mean, I imagine you weren't allowed to. I mean, you probably get away with a little more than you could at school, you know, under the watchful eye. Yeah, um, depending on how tired the parents were, <laughs> a lot of things could have happened, especially in high school. <laughs> All right, well, we're nearing the end of our hour. Is there anything you wanted to, to, to get off your chest? <laughs> oh, I just want to say thank you. This has been wonderful, and I'm so glad. Oliver, that, that you, you know, you asked me about this because this is wonderful. I'm so glad we got to talk about the moth and yeah. its importance in the community. And, yeah, so, yeah, a lot of good things. And the studio space is great. All right. I, you know, I want to say the line, Alice, you seem exceptional. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I just hope we can find more guests that would have been as good as you. Oh, thank you. Are, am I getting paid for this? No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> oh, thanks again. This has been great. I really enjoyed it. All right. Speaking of this, we will be back at the same time 
this. Speaking of this, what am I talking about? We'll be back next week, guys. (laughs)